mind is there, but your heart isn't. Like, what do you do when you know what sin is, you know what's right, you know what's wrong, you know what you need to be doing versus what you don't need to be doing, and your mind knows, but your heart isn't there yet. So you don't feel remorse over your sin, even though you know something is sin. Are you with me on this? What do you do when there's a gap between your head and your heart? Throughout the scriptures, there's this phrase, wait on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord isn't pleasant at all. In fact, in one of the most gut-wrenching psalms in the Bible, Psalm 42, David is literally in a fight with himself. He screams, why are you so downcast, my soul? Put your hope in God. So his mind knows. Don't make a God of that. Put your hope in God. Put your trust in God. Bow down before God. Serve God. Walk with God. Why are you downcast? Oh, my soul, why aren't you buying into this? So how do you wait on the Lord if this is you? You position yourself under the waterfall of grace. And you wait while you walk in obedience. One step at a time. One day at a time. Asking for God to break your heart. Asking for God to restore the joy of your salvation to you. Asking God to make him your treasure. Asking God, being honest about where you are, whether that be the desert or the low part or the struggle. And you wait. Why? Because they who wait on the Lord, He will renew their strength. They will mount up wings like eagles. They will run and no longer be weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Hey, what's up, guys? Just me and you this morning. Good morning. Hey, come on in. Find a seat. I'm glad to see you guys. Hey, I know I said let's start with the video. I think that was a bad call on my part, but this is a huge part of how we're going to start prayer. So can we watch that again? I feel like the room, like, completely missed it because I missed, like, the first half of that, and it's pretty powerful. So, hey, I know I'm being kind of a jerk face. Come sit down, guys. Seriously, this is a big one. Can we watch that again? I don't know who hits the play button. What do you do when your mind is there, but your heart isn't? Like, what do you do when you know what sin is, you know what's right, you know what's wrong, you know what you need to be doing versus what you don't need to be doing, and your mind knows, but your heart isn't there yet? So you don't feel remorse over your sin, even though you know something is sin. Are you with me on this? What do you do when there's a gap between your head and your heart? Throughout the scriptures, there's this phrase, wait on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord isn't pleasant at all. In fact, in one of the most gut-wrenching psalms in the Bible, Psalm 42, David is literally in a fight with himself. He screams, 
Why are you so downcast, my soul? Put your hope in God. So as mine knows, don't make a God of that. Put your hope in God. Put your trust in God. Bow down before God. Serve God. Walk with God. Why are you downcast? Oh, my soul, why aren't you buying into this? So how do you wait on the Lord if this is you? You position yourself under the waterfall of grace and you wait while you walk in obedience. One step at a time, one day at a time, asking for God to break your heart, asking for God to restore the joy of your salvation to you, asking God to make him your treasure, asking God, being honest about where you are, whether that be the desert or the low part or struggle, and you wait. Why? because they who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and no longer be weary. They will walk and not grow faint. So I'm gonna reread the part that he hit in Psalm 43 really quickly. It's the, it's the last part of the psalm, but it says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Um, <clears throat> this, is, this morning is about being honest with the Lord, being real uh, with your creator. So... <clears throat> kind of like David crying out here, uh, God is big enough to handle the things that we don't understand or we don't even know are hitting us. Or things, he knows us better than we know ourselves. So a lot of times we have things in our closet that we don't even know about. Uh, and so he will allow trials and struggles and tribulation to help us realize that we have problems that we otherwise would not have noticed. Uh, so I'm gonna, we're going to take two minutes this morning and I want you to get real, uh, whether it's Maybe it's a burden that you carried in here. Maybe it's uh, a family member that you're struggling with. Maybe it's somebody that you're struggling to forgive. Maybe it's somebody 20 years ago that, that hurt you and that wound you're still carrying. And you haven't thought about it, you haven't talked about it, but you buried it in a little box because it's safer there. Uh, get real with God. So take two minutes just to kind of examine yourself uh, before the Lord. But I want you to be honest because God already knows. So let's take two minutes and let's just prepare our hearts uh, to meet with the creator of the universe this morning.
thank you, Father, for being a God that um, desires us to seek your face. Uh, thank you for being a God that uh, wants to be uh, walking with us, um, not just calling us trials, but walking with us through them, uh, like, like a father and like a shepherd. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for taking the time uh, to meet us exactly where we are. Uh, and um, and even allowing the trials because um, you have better for us. You have better, uh, you want more for us in our life that uh, it's not okay for you to allow us to walk through life holding unforgiveness and for holding um, onto anxiety and holding onto pain and holding onto things that we just ourselves would walk with. So Lord, I pray that you would, Holy Spirit, that you'd be free to move here this morning um, on your people that are seeking your face. And you've promised that as we as we draw near to you, you've, you've promised to draw near to us. So Lord, I pray as we prepare our hearts and our minds to point our affection, affection once again towards you, that you would meet us right where we're at. Thank you, Father. Amen. Uh, I've got to confess, this morning as I was trying to get ready uh, and prepared to, to lead us in prayer, I was not where I wanted to be. And I don't know why it was, it's just I was in a funk. It was hard for me to get moving, going. I just didn't feel like I was connecting with the Lord, and I was frustrated with him going, God, why, why is it hard sometimes? Like, but, And then I rewatched the video, and I was like, man, I need to be patient. I need to wait on the Lord, and it's not an accident. I still was in a funk all the way on the way to church. <laughs> and this is why. And I totally know this is why, but... Um, I remembered in our daily reading in Matthew this week is that sometimes uh, we just don't know how. We don't know how to be patient. We don't know how to pray. We don't know how to ask God for help. And uh, he reminded me that he's given us a perfect way to do this. So in, in Matthew 6, I'm going to start, I'm going to read it really quickly. Matthew 6, starting in verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father uh, Pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for that they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day your daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil and then again it says for if you forgive others their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their trespasses neither will your father forgive you your trespasses <clears throat> so <clears throat> Well, I think whatever the Holy Spirit pricked you with or, or, or touched your heart, whatever burden you're carrying, um, I want to give, uh, what I love about this is that God already knows what you need, even before you ask him. If you are carrying a wound or if you are carrying a burden or if you are struggling to forgive, I'm going to say that slower, if you're struggling to forgive somebody that you don't want to forgive, 
if you're carrying that, uh, I want your church to be able to pray for you. Uh, because uh, <clears throat> God wants to heal you spiritually. But he does. He wants to set you free from that. So <clears throat> I've been praying for you this morning. If, if it's a family member, if it's somebody in your past that you don't even talk to anymore and you just want to put that burden down, God wants to help you with that. And this is a miraculous event. God wants to do this work in your heart. Uh, and you might be afraid to do that. And you might still be mad. You might still be holding on to it like it's, it's, a, it's a just thing that you can be mad at this individual. And I want you to dare to be faithful. Uh, I want you to, to, to trust that God's going to do this work. So if you want that, or if you're struggling, you don't even have to talk about it. If you just want people to pray for you over this, uh, we want to pray for you as a church. Uh, so if you have any of that, as, as we're going through this morning, just raise your hand. And we don't have to make a big deal out of it. We will have your, your table around you wants to pray for you. Okay? So this is a totally safe space. If you have something you want to confess, if you have sin that you want to get rid of and you don't want to carry anymore, I know that that's dangerous, but I want to give you the opportunity to let you know that your church wants to pray with you. They want to pray for you. And we want to see the Holy Spirit miraculously work in you. We want to see that. Uh, so, <clears throat> as we spend the rest of this morning praying, take time, trust the Lord, walk with him. And it doesn't have to be right now. And I know I'm going slow because this is a big deal. This is one of the this is one of the biggest things that we struggle with as a people. But I want, I want, to, I want to encourage you, be brave, because I want to pray with you. The people around you want to pray with you. Um, okay, so I'll pray. And then the rest of the time, uh, there's so many things in the Lord's Prayer that we, can pray for, that we can pray for. We can thank God for how holy he is. We know that his kingdom will come one day, and we can talk to him. We can thank him that his plan is not going to be derailed. There's going to be a day that we don't have sin. We don't have struggles. And I'm grateful for that. Give us this day this daily bread. We can, we can acknowledge that we need more of Jesus in our life. We need him, yes, for the food that we eat, but even more so, we need the very word of God in our lives to be written on our hearts. Leading us not into temptation, but delivering us from evil. We have a shepherd, guys. We can thank him and draw near to him for that. And I was afraid. I was afraid to do this this morning because this is, this is a big one. So you can pray for me <laughs> about that. Uh, but I really feel like the Holy Spirit's asked me to give you the opportunity to, to give something to the Lord. So that's you. Raise your hand and we'll pray for you. Okay? But let me start. Lord, I am so grateful that you are a patient father that you are a loving Father, that you are a, uh, an almighty King. And Lord, I pray that you would remind us this morning uh, that you hold the entire world in your hands uh, and the things that we deal with matter to you uh, because you care. And uh, Lord, I pray, that, I pray that the Holy Spirit would do a supernatural work right now, that um, you would move on the hearts of your people to help us be sensitive to what it is you want to do in our lives. 
all I can say is thank you. Amen. So if you'd like to pray, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, raise your hand. But if you want to thank the God for who he is, we have a microphone. Just raise your hand and I will, I'll bring it to you. That's two raise your hands. <laughs> so ra Okay, so raise your hand if you want somebody to pray. And then if you want people to pray for you, I can help. Two weeks ago, um, someone told a falsehood about me. And somebody else believed it. And didn't matter how many people I had who knew that it wasn't true about me, it hurt. And I was angry. And I was just telling Chris this four minutes ago or five minutes ago, whatever. And I didn't realize until, Dan, you were leading us through this, that I've been carrying that anger and feeling quite justified. Um, and I didn't let it go, and ha and but I have now. I have um, asked God to forgive me for not forgiving that person and for letting it take up so much of my brain um, thought life. So I am giving God praise that I just was telling Chris, and then you just said that, and when I walked in, I was angry this morning, and I read the verse out on the board, and I said, yes, I'm angry, and yes, it's righteous. So there. And uh, then I had to repent from that just now, too. So God's timing is perfect in all things, and it really is hard to let go of anger. Thank you for that. Father, I just, um, Lord, I, um, I thank you for my sweet sister. Um, I thank you for her brokenness. Um, because the gospel is made evident in our weakness. It is when you make broken things beautiful that your glory is revealed. So I thank you for the opportunity to just pray for my sister's emotional healing, Lord, that that is an amazing act of your Holy Spirit um, in orchestrating what Daniel would lead us in and the conversation she had with her sister, Chris. Um, these are all things that we need to give you glory and praise and speak of and, and give testimony to. So I thank you for a church that allows us to just uh, lay our junk bear. Um, but Lord, I, I want to pray, even as I lift up Debbie and her sweet family, Lord, I want to pray that you would protect them. But I, I also want to pray that we would not be a people that are all about protecting ourselves. Lord, I'm praying for everybody in the room right now, that as Daniel has already prayed, that we would just get real, that we would do business with the God of the universe, and that sometimes that looks like letting our brothers and sisters come alongside us and, and, and being able to say, we are weak. We are spiritually and emotionally weak people, and we, and we need help right now. I am leaking, and I need your spirit to fill me, Lord. And, and, and I pray that with and for every person, every soul in this room right now. So, Lord, help us to, to, to know that it is in that releasing of our own um, just sinful desire to put on a show that we actually get to meet you. 
Or that's, it, we walk away from every one of those moments when we'll risk that, breathing you in and going, there he is. So do that, not only for my sweet sister, as, you, as she's already confessed you've done, but do that for me. Do that for us. In Jesus' name. So I don't think it's a coincidence that the Holy Spirit put on Dan's heart to focus on uh, forgiveness and repentance um, because we are actually in right now the final days of the Days of Atonement, which is a Jewish holiday. Um, and I would like to just read um, an email I got from Intercessors for America um, and then pray. Most people who are not Jewish are completely unaware of the feast, festivals, first fruits, and holy days of God's prophetic calendar or their significance to us as Christians. Note, I didn't say Jewish calendar, I said God's calendar, because it is what he established. So why wouldn't we pay attention to it? And the month of September is full of significant events. Sundown on September 18th is Rosh Hanash. It marks the Jewish year of 5781. The year 5780 was the launch of a decade, which means pay, translated mouth. Isn't it ironic how masks became a primary focus in the muzzling of the mouth and Christian voice grew increasingly common this past year? But we are entering a new year. It is time to open our mouths and remove the muzzle. It is time we speak up and speak out on behalf of the Lord. This day is marked by the blast of the shofar, which represents the voice of God and awakening. It is time America awakens. Rosh Hashanah is also the beginning of what is known as the 10 days of repentance, September 19th through the 28th. It is to be a time of reflection as we start the year. It is our opportunity to reflect upon our lives and repent of anything that needs to be removed, any idol, sin, or area which we need to submit to the Lord. The 10 days culminate on September 27th at sundown, that's today, with a 25-hour mandated fast, the only mandated fast on God's calendar. This day is called Yom Kippur, which means to return, an appointed time of awakening and revelation. Lord, I just want to pray for our people, um, for your people that are called by your name. Um, you have said that in your word, if we humble ourselves and pray and seek your face, and turn from our wicked ways, you will hear from heaven and you will hear, heal our land. And God, I just join with um, thousands across our nation who are repenting and returning to you. God, I just wanna lift up the, the prayer that Daniel prays to you in chapter nine. Um, 
for Israel and also for our nation. Ah, Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. We have sinned, done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned away from your commands and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, leaders, fathers, and all the people of the land. Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but this day public shame belongs to us. Lord, public shame belongs to us, our kings, our leaders, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord our God, though we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by following his instructions that he set before us through his servants, the prophets. Therefore, our God, hear the prayer and petitions of your servant. Show your favor to your desolate sanctuary for the Lord's sake. Listen, my God, and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city called by your name. For we are not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts, but based on your abundant compassion. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive us. Lord, listen and act. My God, for your own sake, do not delay because your city and your people are called by your name. And God, I just... I repent of my own sins. I repent of my silence. God, I repent for our nation and the millions of lives we have stolen. If Abel's blood, one person's blood cried out to you, how much more the millions of innocence who didn't get a chance at life. Lord, I repent on behalf of our nation. I repent for your people who have turned away and possibly ignored this. Pray that we won't do it any longer. Lord, I, I repent of how we have skewed and made sex an entertainment industry um, when it is sacred to you. I repent for contributing to that by just watching movies and listening to music that isn't necessarily pleasing to you. Um, I repent of the way that our nation has skewed sexuality and that we now accept transgender and gay and homosexuals and we have called what is evil good and what is good evil and we repent. I thank you for being a merciful and compassionate God.
slow to anger and rich in faithful love. And I pray, even though we don't deserve it, I ask that you would see your people crying out from this nation and you would heal our land, not for our sake, not for our righteous acts, because we have none, but for your sake. I ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Sometimes things are just normalized, and when we look around and we're just the same as the person next to us, so what's, what's the problem? The Lord reminded me that Jesus said in, in Matthew 12, verse 30, he says, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters so the purpose for why he redeemed us in the first place is to bring him glory. And the duty of us, of our redemption, is to gather. And I think about my calendar. And I think about our money. And I think about the way in which we conduct ourselves. And I repent for our disobedience and I repent for the way we conduct ourselves because moment, moment by moment we're either gathering to him or we're scattering away from him. And, and the realization I have is that for me, my responsibility is I either gather people to him or more likely than not I will gather people to me. And I wonder if, how true that is for each of us. Because I think our natural tendency is to draw people into ourselves. But our whole duty in redemption is to draw people to him. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this time of repentance and this time of seeking your face in this time of understanding and reflecting on how we have betrayed the reason for which you have redeemed us. Lord, we are to be a reflection of who you are. We are to be a, a, a guide of how to be reconciled to a loving God. 
We are to be a people set apart. Do not any longer conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are not to look like the world. We are to be separate, set apart, holy, and that our members are used as a living sacrifice that are holy and pleasing to you. And Lord, I'm mindful that as an individual, I fall short. Lord, I'm mindful that as your church, for your word says, judgment starts at the house of God. I'm mindful of how your church has fallen short of that call. And Lord, we repent of the ways in which we've drawn men to ourselves as opposed to helping gather them to you. You alone are God and you will not share your glory with another. So Father, we also repent as a city and as a state and as a country. Lord, would we learn to draw all men to you? Would we learn how to faithfully bring them to the foot of your cross? There's no sin too great for you to save and redeem. There's no heart too lost for you to grab a hold of and bring in life, living water, hope. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. So in a world that is full of chaos and rebellion, Lord, would we be set apart, living our lives as holy and pleasing sacrifice to you, and would we be part of what you are doing to gather people to you instead of scatter them away from you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. While you were praying for me this morning, um, in my daily reading, Jonah 4.4, do you do well to be angry? And in my journal I wrote, I have been reminded that I am carrying hurt and not letting it go. And I wrote, I asked that the Lord would take the root of bitterness and that it would not grow in my life. But it does not go well, so you can pray for me. wife pray for you because she's a prayer warrior. <laughs> Lord, I just lift up Carrie to you. We all love her so dearly and we know that there's there's burdens that we don't understand and we don't know about that are placed on her and her family. And God, I just pray that you just free her from bitterness that can so easily entangle us and so easily take hold of us and, um, and it's hard to let go and I know I've walked with her in this as she has with me personally and God I just pray that you just move on just move on her today to just free her of that I pray that it's even just a physical feeling of 
freedom and lightness that can just come over her so that she just has um, her heart open back up to continue to be the, the amazing woman that we know she is that loves so deeply and cares about everybody um, in our family. So I just thank you for her and I just pray for uh, just pray for the miracle that it is that you just take these things from us. In your name, we love you. Amen. Amen. from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt Of all who 
come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born. Then the Spirit lit the flame. And now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not faint. By His blood and in His name, in His freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. reminded of the story where uh, the good shepherd will leave the 99 to go find the one. It's because the one's important. Uh, if you are carrying a burden and even holding righteous anger towards that, uh, today's for you. God is calling you to believe. God is calling you uh, to submit to him as your shepherd and as your God and as your king. Be released because he wants that freedom for you. I'm going to read today's uh, calling passage, which is Matthew 5, uh, starting in verse 21. <laughs> it begins, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Some it feels like righteous anger, but it's a prison. And it will hold you back from doing what God has for you in your life. So let me pray for you. Pray for that to that end. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for the freedom you have for us. Thank you for knowing uh, knowing us better than we know ourselves. And knowing what we need before we, need, before we even think to ask it. And thank you for being capable of accomplishing anything... So much more than we can even ask or even think, Lord, you are capable of doing that. 
That's what your word tells us. Lord, I pray that uh, you would move on our hearts this morning. And those that are reluctant, Lord, I pray that they would hear your voice saying, son, daughter, I know what it's like to be wounded. I know what it's like to hang on a cross for sins I did not commit. And by the way, some of those were yours. Lord, I pray for those that don't know uh, you as their Savior, that uh, they would feel you tug on their heartstrings this morning. Because uh, it was your desire to forgive us. Uh, what a perfect example, Lord. I pray that we would be brave uh, to heed your call, to heed your voice. Uh, and Lord, that you would show up in a big way. Because you are a big God. And your faithfulness and your steadfast love from everlasting to everlasting. Thank you, Father. We love you. Amen. So God revealed this to me this week. And he put on my heart to read this over you guys. And I don't think I can do it without crying. So I'm just going to confess that now. If you're like me and you just have a sin that's just lingering, it just keeps coming back. It just keeps biting you. Psalm 51. It's David's confession right after his sin with Bathsheba. And I've been doing this all week where every morning I'll just get up and I'll just read this out loud. And there's some amazing power in reading God's scripture out loud especially when you claim it in the name of Jesus, and Satan just runs. It's really cool. So we're going to read that. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion and blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being and in the hidden part you will make me no wisdom. Purify me with his hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then, and here's the point, I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. It's the part that hit me right between my head where sin does not keep us from serving God. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God the God of my salvation, then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, 
that my mouth may declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. By your, fa by your favor, do good to Zion, build the walls of Jerusalem, then you will delight in the righteous sacrifices. In burnt offering and whole burnt offering, then young bulls will be offered on your altar. Would you guys stand and worship with us this morning?
I know I won't get through this stuff, Brian. Um, we were praying and worshiping and praising, and I'm doing battle with the enemy over there just because, no, Lord, we don't have time. 
for this in the service right now. No, Lord, I don't want this to be about me. Wow. But I need to confess, and I need your prayer. Psalm 63, David writes, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you. I just need to confide. Um, I'm just so angry. I've been saying for the last couple of weeks, I've just been in a funk. Because I didn't know how else to, but I'm just angry. I'm angry that my dad is dying a slow and miserable death with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. I'm angry that I have to leave my family behind after church today to go see him and spend some days with him while he still remembers who I am. I'm angry at the brokenness in my own soul and in this world. And I knew that before we got up here to preach the word of God, I had to confess that to you guys and ask you just to pray for me. So let's pray. Lord, uh, I am so glad that we already read that uh, you know what we need to ask before we, we ask it because I don't even know what to ask for here. Um, uh, when we are broken, sometimes that's all we need to say is, uh, Lord, we, we are so grateful that you care. And the psalm that Doug just read, I am so grateful that your, your, your steadfast love uh, is from everlasting to everlasting. Lord, you are so gracious. You are so good, and so many times our circumstances shouted us to take our eyes off of that truth. Uh, so, Lord, I pray that you would work in Doug's heart, that you would uh, command his eyes to stop looking at the waves and say, put them back on me where they belong. Uh, because although you don't understand and you don't know, my ways are higher than yours, and you know that. So, Lord, I pray that you would remind him again this morning, as you're reminding me right now, that uh, it's in our brokenness, it's in our humbling that we get to hear your voice. It's when we stop and finally say, I'm going to stop listening to my will, and I'm going to listen to your voice, Lord. That's what I'm going to hear. Oh. That's when the, the waves disappear, and that's when your hand catches us when we are drowning. To pull us back up on top and go, why did you stop faithing? I was here the whole time. Why did you stop? Why'd you take your eyes off of me? You never call us out to a um, out of the boat onto a calm sea, or even onto dry ground. It's always in the midst of the storm. Uh, and Lord, that's a that's that's for your glory. It's for your fame. It's for your name. It's for your kingdom. 
In this life, we will have trial and tribulation. Uh, but Lord, you give us peace because you have overcome this world. And Lord, we look forward to the day that, until, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven, your kingdom come, Father. Your will be done. There will be one day where these tears, you will say, I remember those. Mm. I caught all of them. There will be a day where there's no more crying. There's no more pain. And Father, we're asking, Lord, bring that day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Make all things new. And if you tarry, Lord, let us be about the work of redemption. Send harvesters into the field. Because although Doug is suffering through this pain, his, his dad is suffering through this, Lord, it is true that you are walking with him. Mm. And from that testimony, others will hear of a God that cares, a God that loves. And so, Lord, I pray that as we carry out this week, that we carry that message going, no, I don't care what you're facing. There's a God that wants to face it with you. And as we walk and we submit, Lord, I pray that we become more like you. And we remember that you suffered the cross, that you suffered the pain, that you suffered... You... Who could hold a righteous anger, Lord? Mm. Mm. So, Father, I just ask that you would hug your, your son and that you would use all of our hands to do it. Mm. We love you, Father. Thank you for being a God that loves us and cares about all the small details, all the big t details, and everything in between. Mm. You are a good, good Father. And I, I can't wait till the day that there's every tribe, every tongue, mm -hmm. say, singing the same thing, saying the same thing, saying, let me tell you how he was faithful to me. Mm. And thank you for making time in the service <laughs> so that we could do this. Lord, we love you like crazy. Amen. 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 Sorry, Dougo. I know we're probably behind time, but I got to yeah, read this. Just I wasn't sure I was going to read it, but just hearing you say the words anger, I, th I think this is something we all need to hear and keep in mind in the next couple of months with things getting so wild <laughs> in this world, as everyone knows. Um, Ephesians 4, 25 through uh, 31. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you two, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And this is key. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Mm. That's mm. huge. Let me jump down here to verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom we we're sealed for the day of redemption. And another key verse here, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, 
forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Um, with that, if I could have all of you stand up for the reading of the word of the Lord as Luke Siddler comes up here to read it to us. Jonah 4, 1 through 4, um, this change of plans greatly upsets Jonah, and he becomes very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Don't I, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord, that this is, my, this is why I ran away to Tarshish? I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eight. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive. If what I, predict, if what I pred, predicted uh, will not happen, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Well done. Step, step here. Would you pray with me as I pray? Oh, Father, I just thank you, Lord, um, for the truth that, um, that the people of God can trust you. Lord, that even in the midst of our um, obstinance, like Jonah and like everyone in this room, um, your steadfast love never fails. Lord, I thank you that you not only love us, but you actually came down here to live among us. I thank you that you lived the life we wouldn't live, that you paid the price we couldn't pay. I thank you that you are in the business right now of conforming us into the image of Christ, and we can't get to glory looking like him unless we're scarred because he was. So Lord, I pray that as we open up your word and continue to worship you there, you would continue to do what you've already done this morning, that you would meet with our very souls, that our spirit would resonate with your spirit, that we are children of God. For the glory and the fame of your name, we pray this. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Please have a seat. You know, there are... There are three books I can think about in my early Christianity. And for me, if you don't know my story, I'm not going to take the time to share it this morning, but early Christianity for me was my mid-20s. So I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I came to faith mid-20s. mid But there were three books I distinctly remember God using outside of the Word of God, and they were C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. Read that multiple times, even as an unbeliever. They were A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God. I have read that multiple times. And the third one, I haven't read, sadly, in about 20 years, but I remember it really speaking to my soul, and it was Philip Yancey's book called What's So Amazing About Grace. And in that book, he shared a story that I remember has stuck with me to this day. And he was talking about a prostitute who not only had, was earning her living in prostitution, but had learned that she could make a ton more money prostituting out her young daughter. Yeah, and right away, doesn't your heart just go, oh! But there was a group of Christians that were witnessing to those people down in that area of the city, and they actually just started loving on this woman, and she came to faith in Christ, repented of her sin, and they said, why don't you come to church with us? And her I'll, I'll never forget how Yancey talked about that. He said, church, why would I ever go there? I already feel bad about myself. They'll only make me feel worse. 
And, and that stuck out to me 20 years later because I'm just like, there is more truth in that than we want to admit. And we're going to see that today in this scene that we're in in Jonah. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 4, but we want to remember that the reason this book is in the Bible is to reveal the redeeming grace of God. It isn't to reveal judgment. It isn't to reveal what disobedience does. It isn't. It is to reveal grace. And ultimately, it is to show us that, that our response should be to extend the grace that we have been given, regardless of what somebody's story is and whether they think they deserve it. As we've spent three weeks in Jonah already, and we did a chapter a week, we're going to spend three more weeks in the last chapter, because this is really the meat of the matter. We're going to spend, we're going to spend three weeks just in a deep dive in, in ten verses. Because, and is there going to be repetition in these next three week messages? Yeah. Why? Because my heart needs to be reminded that I daily need the grace of God. And so do you. The gospel is not something that saved you and then left you. The gospel is something that saved you and then moves with you through your sanctification. And we can never tire of hearing about our need for the gospel and the grace of God. So today's message is called Refusing to see and share God's grace. Refusing to see and share God's grace. And the question we're going to look at today is what is getting in your way of seeing and sharing grace? And we're going to have some time. If you, if you haven't responded yet to what Daniel, without knowing exactly where the message was going, led us through in prayer, even the passages that were prayed. We're going to look at all of that today. I don't care if we go over. i got to catch a plane about 1 o'clock, and, and they'll just wait for me. But... So just be ready. Just get comfortable. Because we're going to be in God's Word. You're going to need a Bible today because we're going to be all over it. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and I'm hoping somebody will put one in it. Because you're going to want to have a Bible with you today. But what we're going to look at is just four verses in Jonah chapter 4. And they are um, the first four verses of the chapter. And, and they're simply going to show us two points. So our only hope in finishing on time today is that I only have two points. And they are, do you struggle with bitterness? And the, and the last verse, verse 4, is, are you often angry? And isn't it interesting how much of that we've already talked about, confessed, and oh, by the way, you're going to get another chance a couple of times this morning, Lord willing. So let's jump into Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1 and look at our first point. Do you struggle with bitterness? I'm going to pick it up actually in verse 10 of chapter 3, just so we remember where we were last week. So all the people of Nineveh repent. Because God, as God says in verse 10, when God saw their deeds they had that they had turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But I want to be clear once again. God will judge sin. Right? God does not let, and we want him to. We do not want, we don't, nobody wants a, an unjust God who's going to let sinners go free. He just happens to also be not only the instrument of judgment, all, but also the instrument of the place that his wrath was placed on the cross. His judgment is either going to get poured out on Christ for you or on you. That's, those are the only two options. That is the gospel. Right? So, so he, but his heart isn't to judge. He is not a gotcha God. I shared this verse last week out of Ezekiel chapter 33. This is an Old Testament verse. This is the Old Testament, quote unquote, air quotes, mean God. Right? He says this. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, 
I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked would turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil way. Guys, get this. Grace without truth is compromise. And we do not want to be about that. Grace without truth. If all we're doing is saying, God loves you, God lo I love you, I love you, don't, don't worry, come as you are, stay as you are, that is compromising the word of God and the gospel. But truth, but, 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 but truth without grace is just condemnation. To just say, you know what, God's telling you that's a sin, you're condemned for that, is, is not the gospel either. And we have, to, we have to walk, we all, all believers, walk in this tension of how do I share the truth of God in a gracious way? How do I live the grace of God and still adhere to the truth? We all live in that tension. In that tension. But it is the epitome of, of hypocrisy for us to not share the very grace that we've been given. It is the epitome of hypocrisy. This is what the church, this is why that prostitute said what she said. It, and, and, and some of what the church gets blamed for being a bunch of hypocrites, frankly, is just the enemy trying to get the world to stay out of the church. I understand that we're, not everything we get blamed for is true, but there's more truth to it than we want to realize. There is truth to the fact that we tend to, man, I, I love that God's gracious and he forgives me of my sin, but get those people. And that's exactly what Jonah does. But here's the thing. Too many of us have become these reservoirs of grace. Guys, this room is, is a place where grace prayerfully gets poured into on a Sunday morning, but not so that we can hold on to it throughout the week. It's so that we can let go of it throughout the week. So that we feel compelled to come back here next Sunday and go, man, I need some more fill. Like, I need to get filled up again. Because I just let all my grace go. Right? And I need to be reminded of the goodness of God once again among his gathered people. So we need to not be reservoirs, like storage, little storage facilities of grace. We need to be channels. We need to be outflowing. We can't manufacture it. We're just giving away what we've gotten. But only people that got it, that actually understand grace, can give it away. And so we have to understand that Jonah, Jonah is the only one in the story that doesn't seem to get that. Jonah never gets it. Why? Why does Jonah never understand it? Because Jonah thinks this story is about Jonah. He does, and so do we. Not only do we think the story in, in this book of Jonah is about Jonah, we think this story of my life is about me. It's about, we all do. This story is about God. And his, that's, he, we're, just, we're just tools he uses. We are in, God shows Jonah grace over and over and over again. We'll see it in the next, we've already seen it, we'll see it again. Remember, the fish was an instrument of grace. He could have let Jonah drown, right? He saved him, he didn't have to. He could have said, Elisha, the message wasn't that good, right? We saw that last week. 40 days and you're dead. That is not a loving message. God did not need him to share that. It wasn't about that. But he is using, he is showing Jonah grace that Jonah might be an instrument of his grace so that Jonah would get grace. And sadly, Jonah never does. Guys, we have to, we have to and I've said this since week one, God does not need us to complete his tasks. We are not doing God a favor when we're walking out the mission. We're talking a lot about making disciples, being disciple makers, but it's not because we're doing God a favor. Like somehow he can't do it without us. He uses the task to complete us. If you're on mission for him, watch, meaning you're making disciples, you're in discipleship relationship with other people, watch and see what the Holy Spirit does in your growth. And, if you're, and, and the flip side is sadly true. If you're not on mission for him, 
Watch, but, but you are a believer. Watch and see how your marriage is struggling, your kids are a struggle. Your, guys, he, why? Because the low I am with you always to the end of the age is connected to the... Come on, people, you're disappointing your pastor here. Go therefore. We don't get the low I'm with you unless we're doing the go therefore. Right? So, so they're directly connected, and we have to embrace that. And, and understand this. I've said this every week. Jonah was given a, a hard ask. Go hundreds of miles to a place that invented crucifixion. They are, they are as you're walking there, Jonah, they are inventing new ways of hurting people. Go there and tell them about me. Not really something we all want to sign up for. But here's the truth for our lives. Guys, the harder the ask is, the bigger the opportunity for God to change you into the image of Christ. Right? And so we need to embrace the, the unfairness of what we think God is asking us to do. And that's part of why I had to come up here and confess. Like, like I, I, I want to go see my dad. I do. I, I, I want to. I know it's the right thing to do. But, but it's not, for me, like, to leave my... I, I, in 24 years of marriage and 22 years of parenting, I have probably left my family multiple nights in a row a handful of times. Right? I'll let you know a little secret. That's an idol on my part. I get it. God's revealing that to me. But... But I see, like, 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 I see that as a big ask. Jonah would be sitting here next to me going, let me tell you my story. Right? Your dad, your, the people in Wyoming are not going to pull, impale you on a pole and light you on fire. That's what Jonah was getting asked to do. So let's pick it up in, in verse 1 through 3. Because all that was just introduction to my first point. So like I said, we're doomed. Um, it says verse four, or chapter 4, verse 1. This, so God relents. God saves the people of Nineveh. Jonah didn't. God did. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said I was when I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. He's like, I knew this is what you were going to do. I know how you are. That's why I didn't want to do it. But how does he know who God is? Because God has shown him that grace. And he still won't share it. And I still won't either, too often. For I, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better than life. Here Jonah is arguing and praying to God at the same time. And, and don't we do that? I mean, some of the psalms we read today were that very thing. It's like David is, that's why I love David's heart. He's arguing with God and praying and praising to him at the same time. And we need to be okay with that. Guys, and we'll get there in a minute about his anger. I, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But, but, but what we're seeing in this scene is God's character of being steadfast and loving and unbiased and Jonah's racism, honestly. Jonah is going, I wanted those people, I wanted that race of humanity destroyed. And I knew you wouldn't do it, and now I have to sit here and watch. And that's next week's message. But guys, look at how many times Jonah, here, back, remember the whole thing about why didn't Jonah see the grace of God? Because he thought it was all about Jonah. How many times in those few verses does he say, I, me, or my? Right, look at verse 2. He says, is it this what I said when I was still in my country? 
Right? I mean, it, it just goes, it, therefore, take my life. Like, he is so self-absorbed in this moment. His life is all about him. But, guys, isn't that, like, he, he just did an amazing thing. He walked through a city, preached the grace, or preached the repentance of God, at the very least. And, it, and if nothing else, they didn't kill him for it. Right? And, uh, and, and we'll see, in a couple weeks, 120,000 people get converted. Largest revival in the history of the world. And Jonah misses it. But he was being obedient. He, I mean, finally, he did what God asked him to do. But in our NRD group reading this week, one of, the, one of the passages, one of the scariest passages in the New Testament, if you're reading through your D group, and I don't know if I have a copy of the little brochure, but we have them around here. This is the D group. If you wonder what we're talking about, we're reading through the Gospel of Matthew um, between now and November. And one of the scariest passages in all of Scripture is when Jesus, when the people come to Jesus and they say, Lord, Lord, weren't we... Casting out demons in your name. Weren't we being obedient? Weren't we doing great religious activity? And what does Jesus say? Depart from me, I never knew you. Guys, if you're doing, listen, not just, not just the young people, but young people. If the only reason you're obeying your, your parents is so that you don't get a spanking, that's not the right heart. It's probably better than disobeying them and getting the spanking. Adults, if the only reason we're obeying our parent, our Heavenly Father, is so that we don't get a spanking, we're doing it from the wrong heart. Right? We can be doing the right stuff, but if our heart's not in it, depart from me, for I never knew you. But he was in really good company. Jonah was in really good company. I want to show you, so keep your finger in Jonah, we're going to come back to it. Go to the left where we are in Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. I mean, we're going to go to Jeremiah Start in chapter 12. We're going to hit a few different passages just quickly because I want to show you. Jeremiah lived in Jerusalem at about 150 years or so after Jonah. So Assyria has been conquered by the Babylonians who actually had gotten better at hurting people. Like, like everybody was like one-upping themselves on how to hurt people, right? So they, they conquer the Assyrians. They come after Jerusalem. Jeremiah is the prophet in Jerusalem as Nebuchadnezzar is attacking the city, and eventually Jeremiah sees the city fall. When Daniel and his friends get taken back to Babylon, Jeremiah gets to stay there and live it out. He's watching people eat their own excrement to stay alive because of what the Babylonians are doing to them. Now, in light of that good news, read, look at, verses, look at chapter 12 in Jeremiah, verses 1 through 3. Righteous are you, O Lord, that I, have, that I will plead my case to you. Indeed, I would discuss matters of justice with you. Why has the way of the wicked prospered? You can kind of see why Jeremiah would feel this way. But might we also wonder, in our own nation or in the world, why, right, how often do you hear, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Why does God allow evil and suffering? Why, we don't have time today to deal with that. But even the prophets of God get there, right? It's a wrestle we all face. So Jeremiah, he's like, so we keep going. He says, you have planted them. These are the evil people. That they have taken root. They grow. They have produced, they've even produced fruit. You are near to their lips, but far from their mind. But you know me, O Lord. You see and you examine my heart attitude towards you. Drag them off like sheep to be slaughtered and, let, and set them apart for a day of carnage. Now jump over to chapter 15. Chapter 15 and verse 16. 
So, so Jeremiah kind of regroups here a little bit. He says, your words I have found and ate them. Your words became for me joy and delight in my life. So he's renewing his mind with the truth of who God is as is found in his word, which is why we have to be a people of the word. For I have called you by name, O Lord, O God of hosts. I did not sit in a circle of merrymakers, nor did I exult because of the hand opened me, was, was set alone. For you filled me with indignation. Why has my pain been perpetual? So he starts slipping back into this, right? Isn't this the cycle we all get into? Praise Jesus. God, what in the world? Praise Jesus. God, what in the world are you doing in my life? Right? This is where he's, he's like, and, and my wound incurable refusing to be healed. Will you indeed be to me like a, de like a deceptive stream with water that is unreliable? Guys, in all of his time, Jeremiah writes the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations. He, history tells us he maybe had two people con convert. How'd you like that to be your ministry? I, you get to hang out at a time when evil is running rampant. And oh, by the way, in all of your preaching, all you're ever going to see is two souls change. Right? Now, but, but here's where Jeremiah should have hope. Go back to Jeremiah chapter 1. The beginning of the story. And verse 4. Jeremiah 1 and verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. This is God telling Jeremiah, I called this shot, Jeremiah. Your life was ordained by me, for me, before you were even born. And that is a truth for every gospel-believing believer. Guys, that is the truth. All your days were ordained for each of you, regardless of how the good ones and the bad ones, the Bible says. So we keep reading. He says, I have called you to be a prophet to the nations. For us now, that would be the church. Right? Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. And God said, Do not so that's like us saying, I don't I don't know how to share my faith. I don't know how to talk to somebody in the in the grocery store about Jesus. He's like, Don't don't say I'm a youth, because everywhere I send you, I, you will you'll go. And all that I command you, you'll speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. The, Remember what we just read in chapters 12 and 15. Jeremiah was getting a little shaky because his world was getting a little shaky. And so do we get a little shaky. Verse 10. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck, you, to pluck, up, the, and to pluck up and break down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Guys, that is a new kingdom promise for us today. As kingdom people living by kingdom power for kingdom glory, that call is for us. We should be going, you know what, regardless of what's going on, I should be going... Regardless of what's going on in my life, regardless of what I have to go do this afternoon, regardless of where I'll be for the next four or five days, God, it changes nothing about God's call and his power on my life. Right? And that's true for you too, if you're a spirit-filled believer in Jesus. But our problem is we live in a meritocracy. Here's what I mean by that. A merit, I, I think I made that word up, a meritocracy. Maybe it's a real word. Well, here's what it means. Dave, if you do good... I'll reward you. If you do bad, I'll punish you. Right? It, we, everywhere in our lives, our paychecks, how we parent, right? Like, so, so we live in this meritocracy. You do good, you get good. You do bad, bad things happen to you. But grace is the opposite of that. Grace doesn't say, you do, you do bad, I'll withhold punishment. That's just mercy. Grace goes, you do bad, and I'm still going to bless you. That's a train wreck to figure out, especially as, as parents. 
But here's the thing. It's because that's who God is. Grace isn't what God does. It's who he is. And, and because he's bigger than we can understand, how in the world do we figure it all out? We can't. We just need to step into the moment and go, thank you, Lord, for your grace. But we have to understand that our moral relativism, our sexual purity, our higher standard of living, our, fill in the, our better political whatever, fill in the blank, none of that earns you favor with God. None of it. Only grace does. Jonah thought that somehow he deserved grace more than somebody else. Guys, think about that. He thought those people were undeserving of grace. What's wrong with that statement? Undeserving of grace. Right, we'll come back there in a little bit. But that's right. It's not, not, none of us are deserving. Guys, but here's the question we need to ask. What if God... We, we've been praying for revival. Not since we, we gathered at Pentecost here. We've been praying for revival since March of 2019. Right? So it's, we've been in our own hearts, in our church, and in the nation. Right? And we've been praying for that. What if it actually happened? What if God saved ISIS? What if God saved Ruth Bader Ginsburg before she went, before she died? What if God saved Nancy Pelosi? Are you okay with that? Can you genuinely embrace that and go praise the Lord? Right? Or are you going to go? Well, let's just wait and see how the fruit, you know, and, and, right? We struggle with that. Honestly, we all do. That's what Jonah's struggle is. Guys, I'm going to read this to you, and I'm just going to read it because I don't want to mess it up, because I, I get that there, there are people in this room that have really been hurt, like really genuinely been hurt by people in their past. I mean, in deep, dark ways that you're not ready to come out and talk about. Right? I, and so, so and, I, and I understand that what I'm about to read, you could carry over to some, so wait a minute, you're telling me that's okay? No, here's what I'm telling you. God's grace is for all people that will come to him, no matter how bad we think they are, and no matter how horrible, no matter what horrible things they've done. So, I'm going to read this. It says, God did not just die for the oppressed. He died for the oppressor. God did not just die for the woman who's been left destitute by the wayward husband. Jesus died for the husband. God did not just die for those who hurt, who, who have been hurt by the, by the recent mob scenes we've seen going on in our nation. He died for the mob. Right? God did not just die for those who have been ridiculed and rejected by other people, even within the church. God died for the people who did the ridiculing and rejecting. Right? We have to... We're about to have our table talk question... Before I read it, it's going to say, here's the thing. If you really want to know what your true heart condition is, if you really want to know just where you're at in this whole, and what this whole morning has been about already, by the, by the Spirit of God orchestrating it all, if you really want to know what your heart condition is, how do you respond when God blesses someone who you think wronged you? Not just how do you respond when, like, like not just see, like, forgiving them, when you actually see them prospering. How do you respond? So that's the table talk question. So good luck with this. And we're just going to, we are so over time, we're just going to take a couple of minutes on it, So which is probably to your benefit, because that way you don't, have to, you don't have to get too hard on yourselves. But look at what it says. It says, get a mental picture of someone you feel has wronged you. So right now, just some individual you feel, some people have already confessed it today. 
Right? Uh, Debbie, bless your heart, confessed it. Uh, not, she didn't know this was going to be. Wait, yeah, the Holy Spirit's just so cool. All right, now, imagine God blessing them abundantly beyond what you think he has blessed you with. How do you feel? How can you get better at overcoming that feeling? Talk amongst yourselves. Check, check. Um, we'll just see if it stays. Tuck me, you might just sort of tuck it in somewhere. back up okay so I'm sorry that I don't have more time but um, I do want to give you guys a chance to respond and I have a whole nother one of my two points to go through um, so you guys can continue that conversation on the car ride home you can continue it tonight throughout the week um, but really this is at the heart of everything that that we've been shared already this morning not just in this message but really since we walked in the door it really is the struggle of believing that somehow we deserve more we deserve better and we and we frankly just get bitter at God for those people out there that seem like they're living a good life. And that has been part of the human condition from the beginning, and we're going to see that if we can get through this message. What is getting in your way of seeing and sharing God's grace? Do you struggle with bitterness, and are you often angry? So that's, our, that's my second point, and it's the last verse. So we're back in Jonah, verse 4, and it's the last part of Jonah that we're going to look at today, but we're going to be some other places in the Bible, um, and we're just going to do it. I, yeah, I just got to get over it, I guess. Uh, so in verse 4 of Jonah 4, so Jonah's complaining, he's upset, he, he's like, just kill me now, Lord. The Lord said to him, do you have good reason to be angry? The Hebrew also there could be translated, do you have the right to be angry? Probably the best translation that I was looking at is, as I'm looking at the Hebrew, it said, are you being righteous by being angry? Are you being righteous by being angry? Guys, I've, I've shared this many times. Jesus does not need our anger to fulfill the mission. If you're angrily fulfilling the mission for Christ, if you're angrily posting stuff on Facebook, if you're angrily responding to somebody, whether it's on social media or in email or text message or in face-to-face, -face, that Jesus isn't in that. He's just not. Right? So, so don't, don't turn to the, well, he turned over the money changers' tables. You're not Jesus. Just get over yourself 
and recognize that anger, Jesus does not need our anger, right? But God is saying to Jonah, Jonah, and he's saying to us, I know you're angry. He's, but he's asking us the question, do you have the right to be? He's, he's like, I already know you're angry. Bring me your anger. But then let's talk about why you shouldn't be angry. It's, it, it's this idea that, that God, God understands that, that if we dwell in our anger, it leads to bitterness. It's the first point I made. If we, dwell, if, if we keep having those angry conversations in our head about the person we think doesn't deserve grace, you never walk... You, I'll just put it on me. because I shared with you before my lawnmower moments, although I don't do much of that anymore because Emma does it for me, but um, I, I still have those. So I made up other times to, to be, have those angry conversations in my head. I never walk away from those conversations. Even though I win the argument in my head now that I'm having with this person, I, I win, right? Every time. I never walk away feeling better. Why? Because my countenance has fallen. I'm, 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 well, turn to, this is a lot, we're not going to be in Jonah anymore, so you don't have to leave your space there. Turn to Genesis chapter 4. And it's so funny because, again, without knowing anything that was going on, I think it was Karis actually referenced this person in what she prayed, as she was praying. In Genesis chapter 4, we see, this is after the fall, Cain and Abel have been born, in Genesis chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 3. So Genesis is easy to find. It's the first book in your Bible. Chapter 4 is the fourth chapter. Verse 3 is the third verse, and it says this. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Now, we don't have time to go into what's all, what's all the back play for this. Um, I have taught through Genesis before, but we're not going to do that now. So Cain became, but here's, look, look at Cain's response to not understanding what God was doing in his life. So Cain became very angry, and look what happens in that anger. And his countenance fell, meaning he's just, he's having that armor, he's mowing his lawn, he's like, able, I never like, he's always, whatever, right? right? This is what Cain, and, and so the Lord comes to Cain, he's like, hey Cain, why are you angry? And, and, then, and then look at what, he try, what God tries to do. He's like, why is your countenance, don't you see the effect your anger is having on you? Verse 7, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? In other words, if, if, you'll, just, if you'll just get over this, will, will you not be back in fellowship with me? But if you do not, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Okay, sin is crouching at the door because Satan prowls like a roaring lion looking for those to devour, and what Mark got up here to read is exactly how he works. He gets us to be angry, and then he gets us to justify our anger, so that then we feel justified in our bitterness and in how we're treating other people, and it leads to the mess that is the world today. And here's where it started. Right here. And it's repeated itself billions of times ever since. Look at verse... Eight says Cain told Cain told his brother Abel, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up and, to Abel and killed his brother. Verse nine. Then the Lord said to Cain, "Where is Abel? Where is your brother?" Now look at how Look at how his anger that is now that has turned to bitterness causes him to respond to his God. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Any parents ever have that response from their kids, like in some way, shape, or form? It's what happens to us, right? Verse ten. He said, 
what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Guys, anger is a sin that leads to death. This was the first time it actually physically happened, right? It, it is, but, but you might say, wait a minute, I, 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 Cain killed him. I would never do that, really. I'm not going to have you turn there, but Daniel read it as our calling passage. What did Jesus, our, our D group reading, what did Jesus say? You have heard it said. I don't know if, it's the, if it was last week or if it's the one coming up this week. He says, you've heard it said, don't commit murder. I tell you, if you are angry at your brother, you're a murderer. He's kind of raised the bar. Every one of us in this room is guilty of that. Unless you're Jesus. If there's somebody in here that says, I never get angry, you and I need to talk after church for a couple of different reasons. Either I need to know what your secret is, or two, I need to help you see that you're, that you're just completely just like lying to yourself, which is probably the second one. Right? It, it just is part of the fall, part of the human condition, has been since the beginning. Guys, remember, we, we went through the book of James a while back, right? Remember what James said? This you know, my beloved brothers, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, but the, because the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Guys, I said it once before. Jonah had convinced himself that these, those people are not deserving of grace. That is such an oxymoron. But how often can I be the moron? Right? How often can I be that deserving of grace? The, whole, the definition of grace is unmerited, undeserved favor of God. I... You can't connect, you can't make people live a life. That, but here's, here's how it looks, something like this. How can those people have that attitude about an unborn human life? Because they're pagans. Because their eyes have been darkened because they have been blinded from the glory that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why they have that attitude. Instead of going, God, get them, like punish them, as much as I want to say that, and as much as I find myself in my flesh, even that anger I confessed about. Some of it's about what I see going on in our world right now. But guys, what we ought to be doing is going, Lord, save them. Lord, open their eyes the way you opened mine. We need to be saying, of course they think that way not how can they think that way guys do we stand above them and shout down to them whether that be physically or on social media or guys or politically no why because we never see jesus do that he doesn't stand above people and shout down to them he picks he kneels down to the sinner and he picks her up and he says i don't condemn you I don't condemn you. That's grace. Does the world see that from us? Last place I'm going to have you turn. Go to Romans, and we're going to we're we're, we're wrapping this. We're we're going to land this plane sometime before tomorrow. Romans, chapter two. I once heard a. I don't know what the political correct term is for it, and I don't really care. I, I once heard a black preacher say, "I don't preach by the clock. I preach by the calendar." I'm like, I, I like that. I don't think I could pull that off, but I like that. I don't preach by the clock. I preach by the calendar. I preach by the clock, but that's okay. Romans, and you guys are all like, thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. 
I get it. I hear you. It's okay. It hurt a little. Right? Verse, I'm going to start in verse 1 of chapter 2. Therefore. Now this is after Paul in verse chapter 1 has outlined all of the horrendous things the world has done. They have cha- exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And, and he lists a lot of the stuff, right? And then he says this, Therefore you have no excuse. Every one of you who passes judgment, for in that, that which you pass judgment on another, you condemn yourself. For, for you who judge practice the same things. He's saying, at the heart of hearts, guys, you're no different than the very people you are shouting down to. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice these things. But does God suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same things yourself, that you're going to escape the judgment of God? Now get this, verse 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness? This is what, if Paul could have talked to Jonah, he would have walked up to him in that moment and he would have said, Jonah, do you take lightly the riches of the kindness God has shown you? That's what he's saying to us today. And he says, not knowing that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Guys, here's the thing. We need to turn off the news and start sharing the good news with our neighbors. That's what we need to do. Turn Tucker Carlson off. Oh my goodness, is the Lord going to strike me dead? No, I'm waiting. Sean Hannity is not Jesus Christ. As we have got to turn off the news, turn off those feeds that are filling you full of the bitterness and anger and start sharing the good news of the gospel with a world that is going to hell. As the music team and the, and comes up and the communion trays get passed around, guys, I want to ask you a question. I said I'm going to give you a chance to respond, and I am. You're going to have a chance to get up out of your seats. Not in a weird way. We've done it a lot here before. But, and you're going to get a chance to respond. And, I, and, and I'm asking everyone in this room, I don't care how young or how old you are, I'm asking you to do it. I'm asking you to be bold enough to do it. Daniel asked you if you need a prayer, and I, I get it publicly. And I, here, here's a chance just between you and look. We don't read the cards that are put up on the cross. We destroy them every Sunday. So nobody's going to read through this and go, man, we're a bigger mess than I thought. Right? But here, every one of you has, every table has plenty of cards on it. Here's what we're going to ask you to do, and I'm going to come back up, and we'll lead you through communion. But in this time, the girls are going are to share a special song, so meaning no lyrics on the screen, which generally they don't like to do. But I asked them to because I wanted to give you this time. Because we need to take some time and, and, and give, this, give our Ninevites to God. Right? We need to take this time, and, and, and so I'm going to ask you this question. Have you, have you been grasped by the grace of God? Have you been, I don't, I don't mean, have you asked Jesus Christ into your heart? Right? Not, one, that isn't even in the Bible. But two, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, and maybe it is under your salvation, but maybe it's you're saved, but you haven't, you don't really get grace. Grace has, grace has not really grabbed a hold of you in that you still feel justified in, in getting your pound of flesh out of that person that wronged you instead of remembering the flesh that hung on the cross to die for you and for that person. 
we can't explain, we can't like completely explain how God's grace works in the lives of people. I don't get why some people just, they hear a gospel message and they fall on their faces and they repent of their sin and others sit here hard-hearted week after week and go, but I am right in my own heart to feel this way. I don't, all I know is it's the Holy Spirit's job. The power is in the word of God that is proclaimed over the people of God. It's not in the preacher. Right? And so I'm just asking you the question that we asked today is, is what's getting in the way of you seeing and sharing the grace of God? I'm going to read this and then I'm going to pray and I'll be done. Time is short. Eternity long. Death is certain. And Christ is coming. Heaven is too lovely and hell too horrible to waste time trying to win arguments about the trivial things of this world. Because there is a world out there that is living in fear and anger. And the only solution to that is the good news of the message that Jesus Christ came, lived, died, and rose again for them. Let's pray. So, Father, I come to you right now, and, and, I, and I thank you for grace. I thank you that, that your grace is beyond our understanding. How you administrate it, I, I, we don't need to get it. Our job is just to be conduits of it. As we have felt and experienced the grace of God in our own lives, may we let that flow out of us by the power of your Spirit. But right now, in this moment, here's what I want. Here's what I, I'm asking, Lord, that your Spirit would do this for us. That, that you would reveal to us what is getting in the way of us seeing in grace, the, the grace of God. And specifically, I want to, who? Who? Lord, I want to pray that your spirit would move, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth, that he might strongly support those who come to him and ask for help, those whose hearts are completely converted by him for him. And so, Lord, I want to pray that, that as you bring to mind a name, a person, that we would write them down. The name of that person. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's an organization. But give us the boldness to right where we're sitting to write them down and then to walk up and give them to you. Not because I'm asking us to do this, but because it is, it is our way of saying, of, of listening to your spirit and going, these are the people, these are the things that are getting in the way of grace, and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of living in the dark bondage of bitterness. I want to be set free. And the cross is what does that. So let us come to it and find that when Jesus Christ has set us free, we are free indeed to the glory and fame of his name. Amen. I have to share this before we sing, um, but this is a song that my mom used to sing to us uh, when we were little, little, and um, I probably heard it a year ago, and the time, as soon as I heard it, I just started bawling because I could literally hear her voice singing to me, and it had to have been days later. Um, she, I don't want to cry, she went to a meeting, and she was um, torn. She was beaten, and she was wounded. And you don't ever need to see your mom cry in your kitchen because she's hurting. But I said this to her 
the song after and I said, mom, people just need Jesus. And she found that text yesterday when she heard us practicing and it was a year ago, almost to the day. And um, so it was so cool how God brought that full circle to today. He knew we needed the song today and I don't like doing songs that aren't um, worship songs, but it's just a sweet thing that we get to share this with you. Um, that it's not, they don't need Jesus. They do, but we need Jesus. Jesus people need Jesus. And so as you listen to the words of the song, we're just praying that you're blessed by them. Um, just realizing our need. Every day they pass me by. I can see
Isaiah, surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was pierced, he was pierced through for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquity. Chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. Lord, may we not forget that we cannot enter into eternity in the image of your glorious Son without the scars. Take the bread together. And in Isaiah. 53 verse 6 he finishes this all of us like sheep have gone astray and each of us has turned to his own way but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him and so Father God I thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ I thank you for the truth that there is no sin even anger and bitterness that is too big for you to cover for you to wipe clean Lord I thank you that all we need to look to is the cross to prove that you love us that you died for us, that you bled for us. So as we take this juice, may we remember the sweetness of your grace. In Jesus' name, take the cup together. And Father, I just thank you for this time that we can commune with you like no other time throughout the week. Oh Lord, may we be encouraged. You didn't die for us to live feeble lives of brokenness and bitterness. You died that we would live victoriously in Christ. So let us breathe you in afresh. Let your spirit fill our sails that we might rise and ride above the waves of this world this week and bring you glory and draw all men to you through it. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Come, let us sing a song, a song declaring that we belong to Jesus. And He is all we
October, at least we might be able to stay through the end of the year. So keep praying um, for his provision. Um, my favorites. We've got our 10th annual All Church Retreat Woo! on October 17th and 18th. So um, there is no in-town service this week, so no one will be here. So if you want to go, talk to Mr. Abney, the dad. Um, and then next Sunday, October 4th, we're having our second family gathering. So we'll end our time a little early, spend a few minutes talking about family stuff, and we'll have hot dogs, chips, drinks, kind of um, just hang out and have fun. And then next week, we'll be moved by the moment, but not by mercy. Donut 5, 4, 5 through 8. And our sending passage is, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Just First John 4, 16. All right, you guys are dismissed. Have a good week. Come, let us sing a song, a song declaring that we belong to Jesus.